Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Welcome to week four, our final week of our turnaround teaching series. So excited that you joined us. If it's your first time with us, you want to get more connected, you have any questions, any comments, any prayer requests, head over to churchexperience.tv slash connect. We'd love to connect with you, answer any of your questions, and be praying for you. Well, we are so excited for today's message. We also want to let you know that if you have kids, we also have an online kid experience service just for them. Well, that being said, let's all stand. Let's sing some songs of praise to our Heavenly Father.
Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us exactly where we are. And no matter where we are, you are with us, Lord, you make a way. Thank you for loving us in our chaos, Lord. Thank you for loving us in our storms and battles. And we will continue to praise you in every victory. Lord, I pray as we listen to the message today that your word comes alive and speaks to our hearts today. I pray that you do work within us so that we can make a turnaround to glorify you, God. We love you, we thank you, and we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Alexa, what's the definition of turnaround? Alexa, stop. What's the definition of turnaround? I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but thankfully, no, no, I turned no. myself Alexa, around. Alexa, stop, please. What, what's the definition of turnaround? The definition of burning the ground is the combustion Alexa, or burning just in which substances combine chemically with oxygen burning the, the ground. I would just like to know the definition of turnaround. The jump shot by a player facing away from the basket who turns towards the basket no, while not shooting. No, that definition. Would you like to hear no, more? No, you know what? I this really would for you. I, I really The definition wouldn't. of turnaround is to become changed for the better. You know what, Alexa? I've had it with you. Hey, have you ever used that phrase, round peg, square hole? You know what I'm talking about, right? You've been trying so hard, but no matter what you do, it just won't work. It's kind of like watching little children. There's really young kids that have one of these toys with all the shape cutouts, and they have their piece. And they're trying to fit their piece into the hole, but it's not going in. No matter what they do, it will not go in. They're trying their hardest. They're trying to squeeze it in and maneuver it, but you know something. You know something that their cute little mind has not yet figured out. No matter how hard they try, that piece is never going to fit in because it's a round peg, square hole. It's the wrong shape. And, and no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try, it's just not going to work. What if the turnaround that you so desperately want in your life in your family, for your future? What if that thing that you so desperately want to change? It's not that you need to care more. It's not that you need to try more. It's not that you're not working hard at it. What if it was you needed a different solution? What if you needed to change your approach? What if there was something simple? Not simplistic, but something simple. That if you would just, just change that one thing, it would change so many other things. In our story today in Luke chapter 5, that's exactly what happened. See, there was someone who was very successful. They had a lot going for them, but there was one thing that needed to change in their life that would ultimately change everything. You know, this, this story happens in Luke chapter 5 right on the heels of what we talked about last week. We talked about last week these men who had a friend who was paralyzed and he needed healing and they couldn't get to Jesus because of a packed house so they climbed up on a roof, they dug a hole through the ceiling and they, they lowered their man down in front of Jesus and he healed him and it was amazing and people left praising God saying today we've seen a remarkable thing. It was right on the heels of that that we read verse 27. It says after this, after that miraculous moment, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. There's a whole lot more to this story. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment. But Levi is sitting at his tax booth. He's a Jewish man, and Levi is his Hebrew name. Mark and Luke along with the book of Matthew, all tell this same story, but it's Mark and Luke who use his Hebrew name, Levi. The Gospel of Matthew actually uses 
his Greek name, Matthew. And the traditional belief is that this is not only the exact same story, but this is the same man. They use two different names for him, and he's sitting at this tax booth, and, and Matthew, Levi, is sitting there collecting taxes when, when Jesus shows up. And Levi, he was doing something that would have been absolutely hated by his average fellow Jew because these Jewish tax collectors, they paid the Romans for the right to charge taxes at these toll booths to their fellow Jews. So they were considered traitors. They were considered thieves because they would take extra off the top to pad their own pocket. They would not only charge the taxes that would go on to the Romans, but they would charge extra when they charged these customs, these surcharges as people would pass through. And, and this, this hatred for these tax collectors, it extended even to their families. The disgrace it was seen even on their, their whole family. Like just, they did not like these tax collectors. But the tax collectors, though, for them, this was very lucrative. They made a lot of money. They were not liked, but they, they did pretty well for themselves. Seems like there was enough tax collectors that there was actually a hierarchy of them. You meet later in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. You know, maybe you've been on a, a road trip. You're out of state. You're going somewhere you really wanted to visit. You're in a hurry to get there. Maybe you're just in a hurry to get to the next rest stop so you can go to the bathroom. The kids are saying, we got to stop. And you're flying down the highway trying to get there as soon as you possibly can. But then you see a sign that says, stop ahead, toll booth. What, what kind of things came to your mind when you saw that? Disappointment? Frustration? Oh, man, I got to slow down. I got to pay money. I'm just trying to, just trying to get there. <laughs> He's scrambling through your vehicle trying to find enough change to, to pay the toll. See, I mean, your experience is not that different than what they experienced. Nobody liked the toll anyway because you had to slow down. You had to pay the money. But it just made it worse that these were their fellow Jews that were, in their minds, traitors and thieves. They didn't, they didn't like these guys. And that's exactly who Levi, who Matthew was when Jesus walked up to that toll booth, just like every other person that was passing through. As they collect these surcharges, as they were coming and going from city to city. And they didn't, the average person didn't like these guys, but Jesus saw something different. He saw something different when he looked at Levi. Not who he had been, but who he would become. And he stopped and he said these words in Luke chapter 5. He said, follow me, Jesus said to him. And notice what Levi did. Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. We don't know the whole story. We don't know the motivations of Levi's heart. Perhaps he'd heard about Jesus. Perhaps it was the interaction that they had. Maybe he saw something special in Jesus' eyes and his appeal to follow him. Maybe this was the escape that he'd been hoping for because he was trapped between the need to make all this money. He'd, his lifestyle had swelled with, with his income, and yet he knew that what he was doing was not a good thing. And He saw the scorn on people's faces when he'd walk down the average street. We don't know why he decided to get up and leave everything, but he did. And he left everything and he followed Jesus. But notice what Jesus said. More importantly, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, come join my religion. He didn't say, come clean your life up. Here's all the tips and tricks you need to know how to live a good life, live your best life. No. He said, follow me. Why don't you help me out today? Everybody just say me. Come on, say me. Yeah, Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. See, our preaching always has to be, our, our teaching always has to be focused on Jesus. Not how to change our morals and our ethics and tweak our lives so that we can live a better life. See, that's not enough. That'll never do it. That'll never fix the core problem deep inside of us, the brokenness that comes through sin. Only Jesus can speak into that deep core need in your life. And Jesus says, follow me. It's a move from religion to relationship. He says, I want you to come follow me because I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be in partnership with you. I have plans for your life. I want to work with you and I even want to work through you, Levi. 
And he's saying that to you today. And he wants you to follow him. It's about Jesus being at the center of your life, not just cleaning up your life. Stop doing the things you know you shouldn't do and start doing the things you know you should be doing that you're not doing. It's, it's so much more than that. And it always comes down to this message that Jesus lived out, the message, the good news message that the kingdom of God has come. It's available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus who died on a cross for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins so that when we receive him, we can have life to the full. He gave his life so you and I could find life. And he says to Levi, come follow me. Levi could never go back to this way of life again. This was a final decision. When he walked away from that tax booth that day, when he, when he left behind his career, it was permanent. He left his vocation. He left his financial income. He left everything and said, I'm following Jesus because I see something more than what I have now. This is a trade up to something better and I'm leaving it behind. And it was a final move on Levi's part. You know, there's a big difference between saying that my life is in God's hands and actually giving your life into God's hands. It's a big difference. You know, it's easy to say, God, I, I, I surrender all. I, I, everything is yours, God. It's, it's all yours. I, I, my life's in your hands. But it's a completely different thing to actually take your life and, and place it in God's hands and say, God, it, it really is all yours. And whatever you want to do with my life, I'm, I'm all in. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient in everything. Not just the easy things. This is what Levi did. It's interesting to see what Jesus did in his life after he had experienced all these other things. All, the, all these ways of cheating his fellow Jews, all these times sitting at a tax booth and counting out money and signing these custom receipts and passing through all this, the, these things to, to make money, all, all of those abilities that he had developed over time, it's interesting to see how Jesus used those and changed the trajectory of his life, yet still repurposed the abilities that he had. He went on to become, Matthew went on to become one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He wrote one of the four gospels, the first book in the New Testament. And one Bible scholar said that there's over 60 quotations in the book of Matthew, 60 times where Matthew references a quote from the Old Testament pointing, pointing to Jesus being the, the prophesied about Messiah. 60 times the accuracy, the research, the presentation. It would take somebody with the precision of a tax collector. It would take an IRS type person to figure all this out, to put it together and present the gospel like Matthew did so well. God used Levi's attention to detail to make a difference in other people's lives. See, everybody else was focused on how bad Levi was. Jesus was focused on how good his future could be. You might be focused on all the bad decisions that you've made in your past. How could God use me? What would God want to do in my life? Listen, you're focused on all the bad, but Jesus is focused on all the good that he wants to bring into your life and all the good that he wants to do through your life. Levi had a future in Jesus. And Jesus saw it when he saw Levi sitting there at the tax booth. It reminds us not to overlook the potential when we look at other people. The people that others look past, look over. Jesus sees us for who we really are. He sees you for who you could really become. Our church had a really exciting month around Easter. Obviously, Easter every year for every church is a great time of celebration as we celebrate the resurrection of our King Jesus. And it was a special time, but the week before, we also had another celebration. It had been a long time coming. Six months prior in September, we hired a, another lead pastor, Brandon Hughes, and his wife, Cassie, and their four kids. And they moved to Wesley Chapel on the north side of Tampa where we had a small group. It's a little gathering that wanted to start church experience in Wesley Chapel, this rapidly growing suburb. And some of us had been driving up on Sunday nights to meet with this group, to teach, to lead, to help, to watch kids. And, and we finally got a, a leader in there, a lead pastor to, to lead this group. And fast forward six months, the week before Easter, March 28, it was amazing to see because six months prior when Brandon first started out, I'll never forget him sitting on a seat in the front of this very small group, maybe a dozen people if that, 
gathered around hearing him talk about the future and what God was going to do through this group and casting vision, sharing his story. And, and six months later, to watch him, I was so thankful I got to go up there that Sunday and, and watch both of these services filled with people. Dozens and dozens of people in every service worshiping God, raising their hands, hearing Brandon preach the word to them and, and what a great communicator he is and seeing kids full in these, these two kid experience rooms, hearing about Jesus, the potential that existed. It was always there in that room. It was there inside of Brandon. It was there in that team that were sacrificing. But it wouldn't be till much later on that we would see the harvest. And now we've been seeing people come to Christ and a church being raised up in a community that so desperately needs another Jesus-centered church. Man, what, what an exciting thing that we get to be a part of as a church. The potential existed the whole time, but, but we didn't see it until a little bit later on. I'm also looking forward to see what God does through three current lead pastors, church planners that are in training and preparation and want to launch a church experience location in their city. And, and I just can't wait to see what God does to, to bring about more life transformation in more places. People that you and I may never meet, but because of our prayers, because of our financial generosity, because of our faithfulness in serving and, and doing what God has asked us to do where we live on our mission field, other lives will be changed and transformed. It's exciting to be a part of God's kingdom work. See, Levi, he never got to be on an exciting journey like that before. He, he made money, sure, he was successful, and maybe that's what he'd been striving for his whole life, to, to be somebody, to accomplish something, to attain something. We don't know, but, but he was missing something, and he discovered it when he looked into the eyes of Jesus. He was missing his purpose. He was missing what Jesus had actually created him for, what God had created him to do. He was, he was missing. He was missing out. And when Jesus walked up to that booth that day and he said, Levi, I want you to follow me, it was an invitation into something greater. See, Levi had been trying to be successful his whole life and be fulfilled, but it wasn't working. Like round peg, square hole. He just, he didn't have the secret. And no matter how much money he made and no matter how successful he was, he would never be able to accomplish what his soul really longed for. There was something missing. He had to turn over his life to the one who gave him life. He had to give his life to God, truly and fully, surrender his life. And Jesus walked up that day and, and he said, follow me. He invited him into a relationship. And that one change in your life that will make all the difference, maybe you want to jot this down today, is to see a turnaround. I must turn it over to Jesus. I must turn it over if I want to see it turn around. Whatever, whatever it is that you want to see that change in your life in, in whatever area, you have to turn it over to see the turnaround. If you're holding on tight and you're still trying it your way and you're working hard and you're, you might even be praying and asking God to bless what you're doing, but here's the thing, until you turn it over to him, don't expect to see the turnaround. If you're unfulfilled in your career, if you're trying to fix your broken business, here's what I'm saying. Turn it over to Jesus if you want to see the turnaround. If you're trying to lead your family better, trying to raise those kids right, fix your marriage, improve your friendships, whatever relationship issues that you have, I'm telling you, if you want to see the turnaround, just turn them over to Jesus. You might have some money problems and you're trying to figure out how to manage your money better. You might be broke. Or maybe you're not broke at all. Maybe you've done really well, but it's breaking you. Wherever you're at, I'm just saying, turn it over to Jesus if you want to see the turnaround. Maybe for you, you are trying to find peace in your, your heart from all the chaos that's going on in our world all around you. Maybe, maybe it's not out there somewhere. Maybe the chaos is in here, in your mind. Turn it over to Jesus to see the turnaround. Turn it over to him because anything is possible with Jesus. I'm really excited about coming up here in two weeks. We're going to begin a new teaching series called Mind Games. Mind Games. And we're going to talk about what God wants to do in, in your mind. Well, let's go back to the story in verse 29. Levi then held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors 
and sinners. It kind of shows you what they thought about tax collectors. Why do you eat with those people, Jesus? You know, it's really interesting to watch when somebody gives their life to Jesus because they experience a lot of times exactly what, what Levi experienced, what Matthew experienced right here. When he, when he gave his life over to Jesus and he started following him, it, it changed things in his life pretty dramatically. And, and he had this genuine natural response that happened. Two things I noticed that happened. One is he, he threw a, a great banquet. He threw a, a great banquet. This was a way to worship. Worship God for what was changing in his life. He didn't even see the full scope of what would change in his life. Matthew would go on to be one of these amazing disciples that that God would use to literally change the world and write words that you and I would be reading centuries later. But but he had no idea all those things would happen at this point. All he knew is that, that something inside was changing. And he was so excited about that that he threw a banquet. He increased his worship. He increased his worship. That's a natural response when God's changing your life. How do, you, how do you know when God's really starting to work in your life? You start to worship like you've never worshiped before. And it might be through song and raising your hands in a worship service. It might be through your life. In this case, Matthew, he threw a banquet for, for Jesus. And he wanted to honor him with what he had in his hands. And what he had in his hands was wealth. He probably had a nice home. And he opened it up and he, he threw a banquet because it's what he had and he gave what he had to Jesus. He wanted to worship him. But, but did you notice the other thing that, that Levi did? <laughs> Levi invited all his friends. He extended invitations. He invited everybody that he knew because he knew that he had found something that was worth sharing with others. Another natural response that happens in our life when Jesus is really working when he's, when he's causing a turnaround, how do you know when a revival of your soul is happening? happening you, you start to become more evangelistic. Not, not the kind of weird and awkward out on the street corner blasting people with a megaphone, but, but you start to care more about your friends. You start to care more, more about your lost family members and your neighbors, and you start to pray more intentionally for others. And, and you start eventually inviting them into a conversation, into a service, whatever it might be. You want to make an introduction to your, bre- your best friend, an introduction to Jesus, because you know that Jesus can do things in their life that you can never do. He can, he can change them. And Levi's inviting all his friends to this banquet because he wants them to meet Jesus. He wants them, him to meet his new friend. You know, when Jesus starts to turn things around in your life, the spiritual intensity increases when you turn things over to him. There's so much more that God can do once you turn it over to him. Now, he's in control. He can do what he wants, but, but our obedience, our faith is what moves God. When, when he sees our faith, when he sees us moving towards him, he moves towards us in response. When we first moved to the Tampa area, we were told about this place down in Hyde Park, downtown Tampa, where right in the wall of this bakery, they had this ATM. But instead of putting your card in and getting money out, you would, you would put money into this ATM and you would get food out of this ATM from that bakery. And I, I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I understand getting money out of an ATM, but why would you put money in to this ATM? So we had to go check it out, and we were down in Hyde Park, and we went over to this little bakery, and, and sure enough, they had this ATM. looked like a normal ATM just built right into the wall, like the one that you would walk up to and punch your pen in and, and get money out, but it, it, it didn't operate the same way. And I looked over someone's shoulders. They, they put money in. They put, put their card in, and they paid some money, and, and then all of a sudden this robotic arm went to work. And I'm kind of skeptical, like, what's going on here? And, and, this, and it grabs a hold of this box, and, and it drops it down in, in this, this little chute, and it comes out this, this, this little space at the bottom of the ATM, and they pull it out, open it up, and there's this glorious-looking cupcake inside. I'm like, cupcakes? Game over. <laughs> Game over. That's awesome. I will gladly hand my money over for a cupcake. Give me the caramel one. Give me the chocolate one. I don't care. They all look good to me. I'll, I'll put my money in. I'll turn it over because I know, listen, I know what I'm going to get back is so much better than what I'm putting in. It's, it's, a, it's a trade up. It's an upgrade. Normally, I wouldn't put my money into an ATM, but in this case, I'm getting something better back. See, when you turn it over to Jesus, whatever it is that you're reluctant to hand over to him, 
It might be as all-encompassing as your life. You've never surrendered to Jesus. It might be that you've been following him for years or decades, but there's, there's this area of your life that you're holding on tightly to. When you hand it over to him, listen, it's an upgrade. You're trading up, you're going to get something back so much better. It's not always in the way that you imagine it, but, but life is better. It gets better when you surrender to Jesus. It doesn't mean it'll get easier. Those are two different things. But it'll get better. Because you'll find that Jesus does some things on the inside that even your success on the outside can never accomplish, that your trophies on the wall can never fulfill. There's things that, that Jesus can do when you, when you turn it over to him. When you turn it over to Jesus, he turns up the blessing in your life. He turns up the spiritual growth in your life. He turns up the transformation in your life. When you turn it over to Jesus, he turns up the impact through your life. The Pharisees, they stood outside. They wouldn't even go into this party, this banquet. They wouldn't go in because for them to sit down and dine with a sinner, with a tax collector, someone like Levi, it was especially defiling to them because it, it meant by association that you might be approving of their sin, that you were endorsing what they did, that that by drinking with them and eating with them, it implied a level of friendship and acceptance that to them was intolerable. I don't want to be guilty by association, but through Jesus' own actions, you can see the heart of God, that he cared. He cared enough even to risk his own reputation. He pursued the spiritually lost. He pursued those who were far from him. Well, Levi is inviting all of his friends because Jesus is changing his life and the natural response is he wanted to worship, throw a banquet. He wanted to invite his friends. He wanted them to experience what he had been experiencing. And I love it when people invite somebody that they care about. I see it a lot of times in a service. I see it in one of our services and afterward they're, they're introducing me to a friend. And the best is when they're introducing me to their friend on the way into a service and I'm always happy to see that I know what it means to, to finally get your neighbor to say yes and show up or a coworker. You've been talking about your church and they show up. I know how much that means and, and I can see it in their eyes. It's like, Pastor, I've been, I've been praying that they would come. I've been inviting them. Every year I've been inviting them over and over again. And they finally showed up. And they're not saying all this, but I can see it in their eyes and I can tell that the thing that's left unsaid is, Pastor, don't screw it up. <laughs> don't screw it up. I, I did all the work to get him here. Don't screw it up. Well, Levi, he, he's inviting all of his friends and who knows what his friends thought. Who knows what they were thinking about this situation because here's their good friend that they've known perhaps for a very long time who has walked away from a very prosperous career who is now associating with a religious leader and teacher, Jesus, never would have done that kind of thing before. He's in his home. He's throwing this party. They might have showed up just to say, what's going on, Levi? Matthew, what, what's happening with you? They might have showed up just to see what, what was happening. What's up, man? What's, what's going on in your life? You know, things were really changing, and when Jesus starts to change your life, sometimes he turns things upside down. See, I, we had a in the last six and a half years that we lived in our home, we've had both of our bathrooms renovated. We didn't plan either one of those renovations, by the way. <laughs> we had wanted it to happen, but, but we, we didn't plan either one of those renovations when they happened. They both happened the same way, spaced out over a period of time. We looked down one day in our bathroom and there was a big puddle of water and it was coming out from the wall. The valve inside the wall, something had broke, it had aged, it had been older, it had been in there a while and, and so water was leaking out and so we had to call the insurance company and had to tear out part of the wall and clean up the mess and pull out tile and a big project, big mess, living in a construction zone for several months. But on the other side of it, things were so much better. The bathroom was actually fun to go into. It had been nicely renovated. You know, like, I want to hang out in the bathroom a little bit. Hey, where's Brandon at? I think he's just kind of hanging out in the bathroom. It's, it's all nice now. It's good. It's renovated. But my man, in the midst of that project, it's the last place I want to be. It was just, it was messy and construction dust and nothing was in the right place and it was just a mess. But on the other side, it was better. Maybe it'd be good for somebody right now just to say better. It's better. See, Levi's life was changing. It, it, was, 
very different than what it used to be, but it was going to be so much better. Maybe you want to write this down. Turnarounds tend to turn things upside down. Turnarounds tend to turn things upside down. We'll never be the same again, but it'll be better. It'll be better. It's worth existing within the construction that God's doing inside of us, existing within the chaos because of the outcomes that God's going to bring about. One more time, let's look back at this story in Luke chapter 5, verse 31. It says, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. One of my friends, Sean, he's a pastor up in Boston. He says, you know, the, the church exists for your friends and your family. And the church is not for Christians. The church is Christians. The, the church is believers who call on the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. It's not an organization, a program, a service. The church is the people, and the people exist for the mission. The people exist for our Savior. Jesus himself, he he came and he said, I'm on a mission. Luke 19.10, he said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. He said, I'm on a mission. That's why the church exists. For the mission of God, for the pleasure of God. Of God. That's why we exist. You know, in the first two years of somebody coming to faith in Jesus, that's when they're the most evangelistic. It's true. Because after about a couple years, you get so many Christian friends that you cut off naturally a lot of your non-believing friendships. At least they're not the same as they used to be. And so you lose a lot of your evangelistic opportunities to make a difference in their lives. But you know, Jesus, he never had you know, a pre-Christian Jesus. <laughs> he never had his pre-Christian stage. I mean, he was the Christ of Christian, right? So he didn't have old lost buddies to hang out with. He purposely went into those relationships. He pursued them. He stepped into those relationships, just like you and I. You might say, I don't, I'm, I don't have a lot of those friendships. Maybe you have a, a ton of them. Maybe, maybe you don't have so many. But Jesus purposefully stepped into that scenario and surrounded himself with these people who were far from God because he wanted to have an impact in their life. Look at that verse again. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you see that word seek? He came to seek them. He would pursue them. Are you pursuing the people in your life that don't know Jesus? What about the people that you're around but not close to? Are you, are you walking across the room, stepping into their lives? Do you have three people that you are intentionally praying for by name that they will come to have faith in Jesus at some point in their life? We all need people in our life that don't know Jesus because that's why we exist, to share the hope with them that we have discovered, to share the great forgiveness of God that we've found, to share the love that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Are you pursuing, are you seeking the spiritually lost people in your life? Well, the final part of that verse we just read, it said that they were were criticizing Jesus and Jesus responded to him and he said, it's the healthy that don't need a doctor. It's it's the sick that need a doctor. And I've, I've come not to call the righteous, but I've come to pursue those who are far from God. That's what he was saying. And some believe that he kind of said this with a little bit of sarcasm because he wasn't saying that these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, that they had everything together in God's eyes. In fact, just quite the opposite. He might have been saying this sarcastically. You know, it's, it's, it's not the righteous that I've come for. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the, the spiritually sick. And, and, and you know, they, he would go on later to talk about them in terms of whitewashed tombs that look good on the outside but are full of dead men's bones. So he wasn't acknowledging that, that they were healthy and righteous and they had everything together. In fact, quite the opposite. See, they, they, they looked like they had everything together, but on the inside, they were so far from, from God. So, you know, it's, it's something when you walk into a doctor's office because you're, you're acknowledging three things. You're acknowledging that, If you're there because you're sick, you're acknowledging that you're sick. You're acknowledging that you need help. And you're acknowledging that you can't do it yourself. 
And these Pharisees couldn't receive the healing power of the great physician because they wouldn't acknowledge that they had a problem. They wouldn't acknowledge that they needed help. They wouldn't acknowledge that they couldn't fix the problem by themselves. In fact, they were through the law still trying to fix their problem of sin through doing all the right things in all the right ways. And, and Jesus wasn't saying that you have it all together so you don't need my help. He's saying I can help those who understand they're sick. I can help those who can admit that they have a greed problem. Then we can work on that. I can help those who admit that they have an anger problem. We can go to work helping somebody who has a lust problem or a stubborn heart problem or hurtful with their words problem. I can go to work on somebody who has a doubt problem. See, when you admit that you have a problem and you bring it to Jesus, Jesus can become your healer. But until you admit that you have a problem, that you have a sickness, he can't go to work healing you because you're refusing him. See, you know what's worse than having a sickness and having to go to a doctor to get help? It's being sick on the inside and not knowing that you're sick. Something is growing in your body that shouldn't be growing there. It's something that's destroying you, but you don't even know that it's happening. That's worse. And these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they didn't even know that they were spiritually sick. And Jesus was saying, I've come to seek and to save those who, who know that they're sick, that need help. See, Jesus is ready for a turnaround as soon as I'm ready. Write that down. He's, he's ready. He's ready for a turnaround as soon as I'm ready. He's ready, willing, and able to heal, to bring transformation when we turn our lives over to him. Let me close the message this way. During the early stages of the pandemic, when we shut down our buildings and closed in-person services, it was a crazy time, and, and a lot was happening, and a lot wasn't happening that normally was, and one of the things that was different was, was our, our building was not being used. And so because it was empty, we took advantage of that time, and we did some, some much-needed renovations inside there was a small group of us that had been working late into the night and we would drive home. Our family would go home late at night and, and on our way home, we would always make a stop. And the reason we would make this stop is because we were on a hunt for something. The same thing that maybe you and all your friends were looking for at that time as well because all the toilet paper had been completely wiped out and sold out of every store. Grocery stores were cleared out, the the convenience stores were cleared out. In fact, people were getting desperate walking into gas stations like, do you have a roll of toilet paper that you can sell me? I, I need a roll. Just, just one roll will work. But we'd stop at that CVS every night because we knew that their truck got in at a certain time. It was really late at night, middle of the night, and we were heading home after their building renovation. So we would stop, pull into the parking lot. Family would stay in the car as I walked in in hopes that I would get a package of much-needed toilet paper. Because when you have six people in a family, you need some toilet paper. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You need some toilet paper. And I was hoping that I would come out with some, some toilet paper every time, but I didn't. Not every time. But every once in a while, the, the employee at the desk would say, yeah, let me, let me go in the back and get one out of the, the box and, 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 I'll, and I'll sell it to you. And they'd come out and I was so happy. I was doing a happy dance inside and, and I'd come out to, to the vehicle and I'd, I'd open it up, I'd peek inside, and, and then I'd pull out the toilet paper, and I'd say, guys, guess what? Daddy's got some white gold, baby. And I'd pull out that toilet paper, and they'd look at that toilet paper, and it's such a beautiful sight. Daddy got some white gold, and we were so happy. It was a treasure. It was a treasure. Well, there's sometimes I'd walk into that CVS and come out empty-handed because the employee at the counter would say, I'm sorry, sir, I can't go in the back and open it up and I knew that they could because their co-worker the night before would do that but they'd say no I can't and I understood and I'd say are you sure I got I got four I got four little backsides out in that car they're gonna they're gonna need some toilet paper are you sure they'd say no I can't do it and so I'd walk out empty-handed but I was inside of me thinking I know you can't just 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 hand it over just just turn it over turn over the teepee I need some I need some white gold for the week and turn it over you know some of us are are holding on so tight and we could give it over to God. We could hand it over to him, but we're, we're holding on to it. It's in the back, it's in the back room of our, of our heart. It's, it's tucked away. It's, it's sealed in a box and, and we haven't turned it over to him. But I'm telling you, when you, when you turn it over to Jesus, that's when you're going to see the turnaround. That's the one thing where we started today is, is that's the solution. That's the thing. I mean, it's not trying harder. It's not, it's not caring more. It's, it's turning it over to Jesus. That's what's really going to change your life. It's not until you turn it over to him. It's not until you open it up and say, God, here's my heart. Here's my situation. God, here's my prayer. Here's my need. Until you turn it over to him, you're not going to see the turnaround. 
But when you turn it over to Jesus, that's when you're going to see the turnaround in your spiritual life. When you turn it over to Jesus, that's when you're going to see that you get healthy inside. When you turn it over to Jesus, that's when you're going to see your friendships change. That's when you're going to see your family change. When you turn it over to Jesus, that's when you're going to move from religion to relationship. When you turn it over to Jesus, that's when your life will change. So turn it over. Whatever it is that you're holding back, let it go. Turn it over. And when you turn it over, you're going to see God will bring about the turnaround that you've been looking for. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. Jesus, through this simple but very special story about this man, Levi, this man, Matthew, that that turned his life over to you, Jesus, we see a great example of what you can do. Matthew would go on to make such a great impact for your kingdom. We're still talking about him two millennia later. You do so many things in his future. He would never regret leaving that tax booth, leaving what was such a big part of his life. And Jesus, I pray that right now through your Holy Spirit that you bring conviction into the lives of people who are holding on tightly to the things that they have yet to turn over to you. And God, I pray that we would turn those things over to you so that we can see the turnaround that we so desperately want. And Jesus, as we turn over to you the things that we're holding on, God, would you bring blessing, bring growth, bring healing. God, we we do, we, we turn over to you today what we hope to see a turnaround in, in our life. And Jesus, we thank you that your power for us is available. It's available to us like nothing else to change our life. And so Jesus, we We acknowledge today that you are the turnaround that we need. Jesus, you are the turnaround that we so desperately want. And so, Jesus, we turn our life over to you. And we thank you so much for the turnarounds that we're believing for in our lives, in our future, and in those we care about. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience. If you have any questions, any comments, any prayer requests, head over to churchexperience.tv connect. Let us know what you thought about today's service. We hope to see each and every one of you back here next week for our brand new teaching series, Mind Games. But until then, have a good one. Hey, Church Experience. Everybody that's listening to us, stand up and worship with us. Come on. in one king and he's the weapon that conquers over everything come on sing along with this let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy let praise be the weapon that conquers all anxiety let it rise let praise arise This is what freedom feels.
like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you Come on! Looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise This is what heaven looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise We'll see you break down every wall We'll watch the giants fall You cannot survive when we praise you On our side, forever lift him high With all creation cry, God, we praise you We'll see you break down every wall We'll watch the giants fall You cannot survive when we praise you The God of breakthrough 